on today's podcast episode of the Vitalist Spark Podcast, we're talking to Florabella Redondo, and she is with the Arizona Community Health Workers Association, who back in 2017 received an innovation grant, the former iteration of the systems change grants that Vitalist provides. And you received that grant to work on the community health worker certification. So we're going to have that conversation today and you can tell us what it takes to create systems change on a statewide level. And hopefully we, we all get to learn from you and learn more about the CHW community and just learn more about how everyone can get involved in, in support and things that they may not know. So that is the point of today's conversation. Without further ado, Florabella, let's start with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Can you introduce yourself and to those who may not know you, your background, and how you became a community health worker or a promotora? Thank you, Sergio. Gusto en conocerte. I'm Floribella Redondo Martinez, and I am the CEO and the co-founder of the Arizona Community Health Workers Association. And how I became a CHW promotora back in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, I, I am a former farm worker. So I worked in the fields of Yuma County for many years and migrated to California back and forth. So one of the things that we did was really being involved in the advocacy part. So when if you heard about Cesar Chavez and all these strikes and things like that, we all did. All my family did that. And my dad would always say, hey, you have to stand up for your rights. You all have to talk for yourself. So, so we always kind of knew that we could not stay quiet. So, but when I started working as a promotora salud, I was still working in the fields and I was recruited to work and provide information on HIV and STDs. So that you can see that was in the late 80s, right? So with that, I just began educating my peers at work. So I would go to work, I would have my pamphlets, my education materials and my condoms that I would provide to them and to women as well, educating women that there was content for women as well. So it was really bringing those those stigmas and barriers to talk about topics that were not talked about in any communities, especially a woman to a man, right? So I did that for, for a few years while I was still working. And I always thought, because my dad was a farm worker himself, and and I always saw the elderly in the fields and said, oh, when I get to this age, I'm going to leave the fields because I think that I'm going to be too old and I'm gonna, my body's going to take a toll and things like that. But it, it really was that I was in the fields because I really loved being there. And I, I am a legal secretary that I, by trade. I did that in Salinas Valley for a while. I didn't like it, but I always was the person in my crew that I always knew the resources because I lived there. I spoke a little bit of the language. My first language is Spanish. So I spoke a little bit of the language, English, and I was able to to really provide them the information. Oh, you should go to this service have and go to this person so I was already doing the promotora work without knowing that I was a promotora so when I was recruited to do the HIV STDs I, I really liked that I had a focus and I could really work around that so when I came to the age that I had said that I was going to leave the fields and that was 35 years old I left and I was recruited to work as a promotora in a program in Somerton where I began being a promotora de salud on HIV STDs. But later on, it just grew into another topic. Then the chronic conditions came and it was diabetes, the topic. So from there, I just, I started working in and started climbing the ladder, became the coordinator. Later on, I became the director of an organization and began developing many programs. So I developed many programs that from Campesinos in Fronteras. I was directing those programs for many years. So I, I worked around that. And in 2000, I was invited by U of A to a gathering in, in here in Pima County. I'm actually in Pima County right now with 
other promotoras, CHWs from the community. And I said, who are CHWs? I didn't know about CHWs. I only knew about promotoras. And there were some CHRs. So it's like, CHRs, what do you mean with CHRs? So back in the 2000, we, we were invited in. In January 2001, we sat around the table. It was maybe around 11 or 12 of us that we came from different places in the state. And we started talking about about who we were and what we were doing in our communities. So it was really interesting to see that there was a lot of other small communities and, and other women, because we were all women, talking about the same issues that we were talking in my community. So just that networking and identifying the same gaps, the same needs, the same challenges, but also the same passion that we all had to see what are you doing how can I do that can you give me those contests can you give me that information so that sharing of of resources started within that little group and from there another small group of us we started let's continue meeting so that's why we continue meeting and that's how we really funded the then Arizona Community Health Outreach Worker Network back in the day and and slowly when there's not a lot of resources, because you have to be a volunteer, where there's not a lot of resources, many start like falling off. And at the end, only another another person in I stayed, Lourdes Fernandez and I stayed con- through the years and continue organizing and continue bringing together, talking about what we were doing. And we looking for a small funding from ADHS. And we got the first meeting in 2003 that we kind of invited others from the state to come and I think we had like maybe like 17 20 persons in the room it was for us it was a total success back then so that's really how I began as a CHW promoter that's awesome that's some great background and it's really insightful to see how you started in the community that's really really cool so the Salinas and you might is it back and forth Yep, back and forth, the the stream, the migrant stream. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I guess you've already told us a little bit, but if there's anything else you might want to add about the community health worker community or or promotoras in, in the state that we may have missed, what can you tell us about the field and well. I can tell you that the field really began with the community health representatives, which is the CHRs, in 1968. And that that was the first model that was recognized, the CHRs. And in the 80s, Jill Meister and Jill DeSapien from U of A, they they brought the model from Central America that they, they have seen. And they said, this might work over here. So they came and they got a small grant. And that's where they, where they got a first promotora to work. And then from there, they added other promotoras. So that's really how the model began here. And the model was to identify those leaders within their communities that were already identified by their own community as a person to go to. If case they had a need, they had they wanted to ask something, that is the person that was always there and was knowledgeable about the resources, but also they identified with them with the life experience similar to them. So that the connection with the community is so important in the in the CHW field. We talk about what CHWs are, we are the frontline health workers that we are at community level and we represent our own communities because we identify because of the life experience also because of the the we have identified that gaps and needs because we live them ourselves in our own communities but we also know that there's a lot of resources that people don't know about when we try to connect it and be those bridges to those resources and trying to meet the need with the resource in our community and of course chws chrs promotoras it is just one workforce, just that the promotora service the Hispanic communities, the CHWs service more the urban communities, and then CHRs service the native tribes, which are the community health representatives. But we are one workforce, and, and that's really what we've done here in Arizona is try to unite the voices of CHWs and ensuring that we do not divide the workforce. If we want to really be strong and accomplish something, we need to make sure that we all identify ourselves as one profession. And that's one of the things that we, we have been working around in Arizona, making sure that we address 
we'll see each drivers are, the vital role that we play at community level, but also the skills that we bring, the skills that we bring into the profession and how we've been transforming communities throughout those years. That's amazing. And thank you for that clarification between the, the CHR, the CHW, and the promotora. And I think that's that's insightful for me, and hopefully for the audience as well. So now talk to us about AZ Chow and the history of the organization. Annual conference a little bit ago, so. Yes. When we began in 2003 with our first annual actual, this year was our 20th year of gathering the CHW workforce in Arizona. And when we began, at the end, it was just Lourdes Fernandez and I that continue moving forward and gathering and, and working and, and volunteering. I was working at, at the other organization, but I volunteered in this one and always having our, our monthly meetings, making sure that what are we going to do? Who are we going to ask for money? And back then, back then, if you got like $2,000, $1,000, that was a lot of money. That we, So we had some money to really bring a small group together. So we were really excited how we were working. And throughout the years, I think people and organization just saw that we just continued on pushing forward. And slowly, slowly, we had a little bit more support. I think we've always partnered with our partners have always been the U of A, the Prevention Research Center, and also the Arizona Department of Health Services, the chronic disease programs. They've always been there for us. They've always been supporting us. So I think the small group, we always talked about, what can we bring? What are CHWs needing these days? And of course, back then, I can tell you that ASHA was really working and ensuring that there was recognition for the workforce not really thinking about legislation, not even thinking about anything, just acceptance and recognition at the organization level. Because a lot of, of promotoras were getting hired because of the grants. Chronic disease funding was big back then in the 90s and 2000s. So there was a lot of funding and a lot of grants that came in. So many CHWs at community level began to get hired. So ASHA was always trying to make sure that everybody knew that we were still working together and strengthening the profession, but I also wanted to make sure that the CHWs identified themselves as a CHW, as a promotor. And, and of course, ASHA continue working around policies and, and not really thinking about system change, but really around policies so, and ensuring that the respect of the supervisors, directors was there for the, for the CHW or for the promotor. So the role of ASHA has been really to be in the front and the front and, and and representing the workforce. I think that I've always said that I don't like politics, but it seems that every single thing that I do is around politics. And it's like, oh, it's and it is it's not really trying to build a politician, but I mean I have to raise the voices. So what ASHA has done and all through all these years is listen and listening to the workforce and listen to those voices that are asking us for specific things that they have not received in their organization, in their counties. And we worked around that at the state level to see how we can address those gaps and bring a solution or something that can really allow those CHWs to work in a better condition, a better place. So also at the state level has been really easy to work because Arizona was the first state that actually began the model of the CHW workforce, the promotora. We are recognized as the first state with that. So making sure that that is taken to every single other state. So my job at ASHA has been to represent the association at national level as well and talk about all the processes that we have had throughout the years. How do we were working and uniting the workforce, but how do we were educating the, the organizations, the supervisors, directors. So it's always been around making sure that we are formalizing our workforce, always thinking about that. And in the role of ASHA in the and later, and, and we'll talk about this, the innovations grant and how that really allowed us to, to move forward. But I think that ASHA has has really shifted in a way that we don't only 
strengthen the abilities and skills of the CHWs, but we also represent at the state and national level, the workforce, and we advocate for it and for that as well. You're already kind of talking about this. It's not just the trainings that you're advocating for, but it's also the the recognition. And I guess one of those things would be the voluntary certification for CHWs that was recently passed. Not that recently, but it took a while for it to be (laughs) enacted. Why don't you talk to us about that process, what it entailed, and how that innovation grant Mm -hmm. did help? Yeah, well, let me tell you a background on that. I was at the organization that I mentioned before, working at developing programs and implementing programs. But in 2014, I was invited by CHEC to come and work with them. So I left my full-time job to come to work part-time job with CHEC as a network director. And the only reason that I did that was because the network director that CHEC had was going to pay me half of my salary or just I was going to that was actually the whole salary because I was only working part time and I was going to be working specifically in organizing the CHW workforce in Arizona. That was that was my salary to begin because before I was not getting paid. I was doing everything for as a volunteer. But in 2015, I began working with CHEC and started going around the state with focus groups, conversation with CHW, CHRs, promotoras, and asking them about what would they wanted to see in the workforce. What are the they wanted me to transmit at the state and national level? So I gathered the voices of CHWs and we got recommendations. Those recommendations that the voices of CHWs that we gather throughout through a year and a half really served as the as the foundation when we asked for the grant from Bible's grant, we had that foundation. We had the voices of CHWs and we know what the CHWs voices wanted. So when we asked for the innovation grants and we got it, it was like, yes, we got it. So we actually had some money to work around organizing, bringing together the CHW workers, but also on looking into what are the things that we want to change. And of course, thinking about it in Arizona, thinking about making system changes or policy changes is like, you got to think about twice before you do that, right? But but one of the best things I think, um, Sergio, is that we had many, many that had been by our sides throughout the years and they believed and they, they had seen the work and the growth of the CHW workforce and how we were gathering and how we organizing. So when we asked for this grant, it was ADHS provided some support, but the PRC and and us, we we put together and said, this is what we can do. And this is the outcomes we want to see. So one of the things that we wanted to make sure is that we start thinking about because before we had not thought about legislation, like I said, no, the, the legislation is another thing. And so when we got the grant, I said, okay, we're in position now. We're in position to work with Vitalist because you guys gave us a lot of technical support. So with that technical support that we got with you all, it was back then Melanie. And I don't know if Marcus was all still around, but it was the technical support that we got from you. And you guys had a webinar, some policy system chains that we were all able to access. And so it's really something that we we could really utilize for the work that we were trying to do. So did that allow us to formalize the, the findings that we had had with the CHWs, develop a plan, develop a plan of what the steps that we wanted to really to put in place to be able to change and, and at a system level, at a policy level, as a state level to, to get the recognition for the CHW workforce. With that in place, we were able to organize meetings with some of the stakeholders at state in Arizona, which were some of Senator Bradley back back then when he was one of the our supporters. And we were able to really reach out to other supporters like uh Representative Charlene Fernandez and 
we were able to talk and ask questions. We were also able to get some leverage and bring access to a meeting. Before that, it had not happened. But because of all the, the things we were able to put with the grant in place and, and put a plan together, but not only that, the support that, the technical support that we had and learning from other grantees that you guys also had, also what they had done, what had worked, really allow us to put together like a semi-plan of what we thought could work. Obviously, once you start implementing and start working, you always look at, oh, let's take a step back and look, see, we went the wrong place and not, let's go back because every single person has something to tell you. So when you work at a level, a community level, you have the community voices, the CHW workers, you have the organization voices, but when you set another level or organizational and, and more into the administrative part, management part, that's another level. But when you go into the state level and you work with those individuals that have the power of making decisions that's another thing so when we we started meeting and we realized that we need to shift on so many things because of the feedback that we were getting from the person we were meeting with and and that was possible because again we utilize not only the opportunity that we had this plan that we had submitted for innovation grant, but also the technical support and and we were able to meet with Melanie many times to get that feedback from her and say, what do you think, Melanie? How can you connect us with here? And a lot of those things really are allowed because you work in a team. And and I always say that in Arizona, you know, there's always talks about it takes a village and I always said in Arizona it took a state it took a state to get to come together to make this happen because it was not only the association the association ASHA was the front phase but there were so many individuals that were working around us and working with us and and supporting us and guiding us and 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 giving us some some a lot of good feedback that allow us to really move in and then shift it in a way and also allowed us to understand that we also needed to look at it outside our state to see what had happened in other states, to see if what we were doing was, was in the right track. And we needed to come back and shift the direction that we were taking. But at the end, reality, this is, I'm going to say something that's not, not sound good, but at the end, I had to tell you that what we did in Arizona is now a model for other states because we created our own path. We looked at the lessons learned, but we looked at what not to do that other states had done. So what other states had done, we said, we're not going to repeat that. We're not repeating that. We're going to go the other direction because this is the CHW Voices. It's not an organization. It's not an association. It's not anybody. This is the voice of CHWs that need to be heard. So that's what we did. And every single thing that we developed, that we planned, the steps that we took, had were all around the CHWs and, and their voices. And also making sure that all decisions were having the voice of CHWs around the table as well thank you that was really insightful as, as to what it, it's it's great to hear that it didn't just take a village it took a state and then mm -hmm. that can be replicated in other places too during that process what were some of the challenges you encountered and what were some surprises that were positive oh my god challenges i i would say that many and i'm gonna say that in a good way because it allow us an opportunity to come back and say hey we're trying to change this at state level but many organizations are not ready for a change so one of the things that we the, the surprise is, is that many organizations were not ready for that change many organizations were really still wanting to follow the steps of the grants being able to train their own CHWs, they were doing a good job. Oh, they're always doing a good job. But when we try to develop a new profession, you need to make sure that you are training and providing the capacity building to that individual in the new profession, not in a project, not in a, not in a program. So I think that there was some resistance there. The other thing that I, I believe that the resistance also was, like we had like two years, I think, of funding. How about if 
if the funding doesn't last and we cannot accomplish, we can accomplish that because it, of course it took years. It took years and a lot of meetings. It wasn't a, a one day to the other thing that it came. We had to do a lot of convincing, a lot of conversations, a lot of, because before that we had no virtual, we had no Zoom. It was in person, so so a lot of travel every single week. I was traveling traveling to Phoenix once or twice. I live in Yuma County, so I, I every single week I was traveling back and forth. So it took a lot, a lot of uh, hours and and driving and meetings. So. But it, I think the the overall experience was a great one because it, it allowed us to identify the gaps and needs that we had within our own community. That was CHW organizations and CHW workforce. But I think the surprises was that many, uh, many persons that had the, the decision-making power were already convinced and they already heard about the workforce and they were already ready to integrate CHWs and to recognize and to support. And they were they were your champions. They were the ones asking for meetings. They were the ones convincing access to come. They were the ones that were advocating for you. So the, the surprise was that we were not alone. There were many others that thought that, that we were on the right path and that the, our health system and our public health system service, that it needed the CHW workforce to be integrated into it. All right, so from that plan and those meetings, when did you draft legislation and when did it pass? <laughs> we, I think we began thinking about drafting legislation in 2016 and a lot of meetings again, I have to say that I don't remember it was Melanie or, or Marcus that, that introduced us to Jason. And Jason was, I think he's in a lobbyist for one of the health plans or Banner Health Plan, I think, something. So we worked with them and, and with with Vitalist, who introduced us to them, and we worked with them to draft legislation. The first thing that we did was get the voices of the CHWs. Remember the recommendations that we got on the report that we did throughout? Those were the guidelines that we did. This is what we need to put in there. So the recommendations, we grabbed them from that report and we put them in here to submit the Sunrise application because you have to submit the Sunrise application before you can actually submit legislation in Arizona. So we submitted the Sunrise application. And when it passed, we came back and we submitted legislation the first time. The first time that we submitted legislation, we we many meetings again, many meetings that were possible because of the connections that that Marcus and Melanie had, and and all the other persons that had already the power and they had the the interest of meeting with us. That we started thinking about okay, so we can submit legislation. What are the things that need to be included, and what is the language? And that is where Jason. Jason helped us a lot and, and drafted the language for our legislation. Of course, we submitted it and it, it passed the the House, but it it died in the Senate. It was not heard in the Senate. They did not want to see it on the other side of the House. And and of course, I think that that we said, oh, should we should we try to just stop here because there was so much work and not to have to have it not heard and the other side was really devastating because we had to work so much but we we said okay let's do it one more time but this time i i had the first time Representative Charlene Fernandez was the one that opened the folder for us and, and trying to do and and it passed. Really, everybody said yes, but uh, then we said, okay, we need to have somebody on the other side and the Republican side to make sure that we have the support. So we continue identifying and met with some individuals that, and then later on we found out that Senator. Carter, she came and, and she asked specifically, she asked Representative Charlene Fernandez for the folder. She said, can I have that? I want to, I want to bring it through. And she was the one that opened the folder for us. And she was the one that submitted it. And she was the one, she was her advocate and she, she made it happen. She really moved a lot of things. And of course, it, it's really important that again, 
when we began, we were just beginning because we thought it was a good idea. But throughout the the process and throughout the two, three years that took us to get the legislation and we there was so many presentations, so many tools developed and the education that we brought to the House and to the Senate it, it allowed them to understand why the CHWs were vital to the health system. So I think that was a win as well because we educated them. And at the end, I think that we were able to to get our bill passed because persistent again and the support from very key individuals and, and, and opening doors for us, an opportunity, a collaboration. Why is it important? Why was it important to get CHW certified? Like, what, what does it mean for the profession? What does it mean for the people out there in the field? In the field, for since the beginning, CHWs do not have a sustainability path. We've never had. We've always worked grant to grant. So we call it the soft money that it ends, has a, a beginning date and end date. And, and for us, we've seen, we've seen the improvement in our communities. We begin a program and we bring community and we educate them. And for many years, you provided this great service. And once the funding ended, the service ended. So there was not a sustainable building system for communities or support system or anything because Everything organizations don't have funding; they end the programs, and and we saw that. But not only that, we also saw in many organizations across the nation, and the CHWs were the first hired, but also they were the first fired. Once the funding ended, the the CHWs promotoras were the first to let go. As soon as there was a grant that's going to be ending, the CHWs, the promoters, were really stressed because they knew they were going to lose their job. And 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 remember the model, the model that was began was began at community level, frontline persons where they they used to call us the lay health workers, which is can you come from a community? You don't have the education. Now many CHWs have an education. Some of them have bachelors, some of them are going to get to their master's. But before there was the CHWs were from a community like me, like a farm worker. I didn't have a bachelor's. I got my bachelor's later on when I was 50. But I think that it's important to recognize that the need to sustain the workforce was because not only you were developing and implementing and taking away once a committee were like comfortable getting their education, coming to support groups getting that, that support at their own homes, getting the resources, and then suddenly they disappear. And they look for the promotor and she was no longer working at our organization. That is not a, a way that you want to go into your public health systems. So for us, it was really important to, to make sure that not only the programs and the, and the services that you begin are sustainable, but also the CHW's position are sustainable. And given the opportunity to grow as a professional, because they they never accumulate seniority, because they were let go right away. So this voluntary certification allows organizations to build access now, and that's that's the real win. That's where that sustainability comes in. No longer are you dependent on grant funding, like you said. First ones in, first ones out. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, not necessarily. I think this is the first step. We submitted legislation and it passed. And and I think in May 2018, Governor Ducey signed it. And that was for voluntary certification. That was 2018. The actual portal for voluntary certification for CHWs opened last year, last year in 2022. So it really took almost four years to be put into place. But at the same time, we're doing that. We're working with Access and Medicare to make sure that we talk about other states and 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 how they had developed some codes, building codes for CHW services. And so we looked around. We also talk a lot about what are the needs here in Arizona. What are the things that we can actually accomplish? So working with Access, again, it took the small group 
that we have a small group that always come together and it's the U of A and ADHS and NAU now and, and us and we come together and we talk about the things that we need to push forward. And and I think it's really important to to recognize that we identify those codes and we knew that that it's important to begin somewhere, but unfortunately the CHWs as a whole are not sustained. The CHWs that can only bill for reimbursement under those three codes are the CHWs that are working under a provider. That means that CHWs need to be in the health system, hospital, or public health department working under a provider to be able to build under those codes. So that means that all the community grass organizations and everybody else not working under a provider for access, they cannot build. So that was the first path. And that was the conversation that we had. And of course, to me, that I'm a, a community grass CHW. So, so for me, it was like, oh, I've been working with so much for this. And I think the most need is at the community grass level, not at a system level, because they already get a lot of opportunity to get reimbursement under a provider or behavioral health. So I was just trying to make sure, but I knew that we had to do this way to do the first path. The first path was that we're in conversation for the second level, Was the second level is to really work around ensuring that CHW organizations can become providers for access and they can be begin building for CHW services that are providing at, at the organization and community level. That means the social determinants of health, housing, chronic disease management, all those things that we do at community level will be probably in the second phase. And, and as of now, our conversation will begin this fall. To, to go into the next phase of the, the codes. It's great to hear that it doesn't limit. Hopefully it will not limit people by being tied to an organization so they can bill. Because like you said, those services are, are vital, right? And the community relies on them. Marcus is now at Access, so hopefully he can <laughs> he can help you a little bit with that. Yeah. <laughs> So we're kind of we're kind of like oh he doesn't know we're gonna go after him now, but yes I I think that's important to to also know that there's a lot of persons that have really cared around the CHW in in different places now and making a difference, and we know it's not gonna be easy and we're gonna have a lot of challenges probably but but one of the most important things also Sergio that I have to say is that. The model began at community level with the comadres, with the vecinas that were really, there were, there were the ones that were there. They were leading. They were the ones that had the resources or healthy neighbor that was in need. And, and many of them do not have a high school diploma. And many of them might not even have legal documentation, but they've been here all their lives. But now with the process that we have, they cannot come voluntarily certified because they need to have a, a high school diploma to get, be able to get certified. So many of the, the ones that we call the OGs on the promotora side, they're not going to be able to, to really get that certification. So there, there is some challenges still, and there is some gaps that are not covered in the process that we developed. But I think the overall win is that the majority of the CHWs and we're building a profession. The workforce is already there. We're, we're building a profession that can be recognized, respected, but also sustained at all levels and integrated into our healthcare system, our public health system, and, and knowing that we, we know what to do. We have been doing it for many years and the outcomes and the, and the data is there to prove that CHWs change policies, CHWs change communities, and we can change systems as well. What are your future plans? I mean, I know you, you talked about this mm. phase two and these conversations with the access starting in the fall. So what else is As Chow doing that we can let our audience know about? And if there's community partners out there who can latch on and, and support you. Well, I can tell you that we continue developing many trainings. We call them our training wheels. 
which is not only one training, it builds into into a whole training that has all the small department telemedicine. It's like a small library. You go in and talk about chronic diseases, but let's say diabetes, but what entails to talk about diabetes? Well, it has to be about the risk factor. It has to be about the family, right? The dynamics, the mental health, the resources, the environment, the physical activity, all those things. So we have different components to make sure that CHWs are really well informed and have the opportunity to get those resources. But also one of the things that I can tell that ASHA is trying to do is really shift into the the policy and, and really talk about how do we recognize even further? How do we make sure that CHWs conversation is is like we see our CHW workers right now and we think about the nurses many, many years ago, how they had to fight and how they have to prove that they were a profession that needed to be respected. And look at them now. It's a well-respected, sustained profession. So who knows if from here, 30 years from now, the CHW workforce is going to be like that. I might not see it, but maybe you will. And you let me know <laughs> the next slide. But but I think it's important to see that there are so many things still in place. And, and you, you asked about our, our conference this past week, which was our 20th year of conference. When, and I told you that the first meeting that we did was in 2003. And it was like 15th. 20 year, 20 persons in the room and was we thought it was a complete success. Then we moved into every single year. We had like three, four, five persons more. And then when we did our 2015, I think we had like 60, 70 persons or 80 persons. Then we came to a hundred and we're like, oh my God, we're getting recognized and we're so happy about that. But this past conference that we had this past week, we had over 370 persons registered in our conference. We were able to, once you're in the community and you start talking to everybody, we were able to get an application for our Senator Mark Kelly to be present. And he was not able to be present, but he sent us a really good message for the workforce. We are able to play that message to the workforce and the and all the body that attended the conference. And then we asked our governor, Governor Hobbs, to be present. And she accepted. She, came, she actually came to the conference and she was our opening keynote speaker for the second day. So that tells you that the CHW workforce is, is recognized is valued and they're taking their time and they're seeing the outcomes. I believe that the outcomes can prove you and the, the cost savings because CHW services is really about the cost savings in, in the health systems. And we are saving billions of dollars in the health system because of CHWs working with uh, people that have chronic conditions. And, and of course, I think that we have to continue looking at what is next. How do we continue building? But it's really building those that recognition at that level that we need to. So fortunately, I have been working at national level as well. So at a national level, I'm a co-founder for the National Association of Community Health Workers as well. So we 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 have been identifying and connecting to national systems and national opportunities to see how we uh, how we can continue leverage what we're doing in Arizona so others can learn but also that we we continue make, pushing forward and that, making sure that the CHWs in Arizona are are talked about and they're recognized and they're really not only recognized in, in name but also in positions and salaries. That's one of the things that we're doing during the pandemic. I think that we were all shocked, right? We were all in the same boat. There was no one in the world probably that was not kind of anxious or what's going on with what is this about trying to understand what's but one of the things that I can tell you is that uh, since I began developing programs for CHWs promotora CHRs, I've always added a mental health component. So when we looked at a pandemic that was declared in March, but one week after ASHA already had a response to the mental health well-being of the CHW workforce in Arizona. So we I identified 
a person for in Spanish and a person in English that can do webinars. So we did the first response to the mental health needs. So the CHWs can really be strong physically and emotionally to respond to the needs of their community. We needed to make sure that we were equipping them and making sure that we were supporting them. So we did that. And when we did that, we did it for the state, but here, but because of the national connections, our, our webinars expanded nationally. And then went into international. So we're recognized, Asha's recognized for their first response to the workforce for the pandemic side. I can tell you that because we were in the position to do that, because we were able to provide the opportunity, and, and I have to come back to this, Sergio, porque it doesn't happen because it happened, right? It happened because we had built into it. And then we happened because we were ready for it. It happened because we already had the tools of the leadership that you can, right? And that happened because of the grant that we got. Because of that, we didn't have that grant. We were not able, we didn't have the innovation grant. We would not have been able to organize, to bring together, to work on all the things that have told you because we were able to do that. But if no funding, remember, there's no funding, there's no program. But because of the grant, we were able to really step into the ladder and organize and produce. And that's why we were ready to toward the pandemic because we had already, the foundation was a strong foundation. And without that funding, we would not have that strong foundation that we have now. That I can tell you for sure. We've covered a lot of stuff. ¿Qué nos falta? What have we not? What have we not said? What's missing from this conversation in terms of advice for other organizations that might be doing this, that might be embarking on a systems change, systems level change? What What would you tell them, or anything I, else you missed? I can tell you this. I, and I was just talking. I'm doing a training on core competence for CHWs right now in Pima County. And I was just telling it because we're doing an advocacy activity right now. I said, when you start thinking about a change, whatever change it is, you think about it because you have identified there's a need, right? There's a gap. You see it. And and we as individuals, we have the passion. They want to change things and we want to go for it and we know how to do it and I'll do it. But remember, before we even step further, is it something possible that you can do? Is somebody else doing it already? If nobody's doing it, is it, are you going to be able to do it by yourself? Who needs to be around the table with you? Do you have the right people? I think that you, if you have a, a, a group of people that have a lot of passion to do their work, but you don't have the people that have the power to change things. That's a different story. You have to identify the person you need around the table. And you need to identify those individuals that have a say in it. You have to identify the community. Who's in the community that needs to represent the community? Who's in this? So you have specific people you need to have. And then bring them together and talk about the need. And let's see, do they agree with you or not? Because if they don't agree with you, nothing's going to happen. You have to make sure that you have a plan, but also a plan that is going to be possible and you have the resources. But I can have a lot of passion and I can try to do a lot of stuff, but I don't have resources. It's just floor trying to do something and that's not going to make a change. So when you're trying to make a system change, make sure that you have, you have already done your homework. You have identified there is a gap. There's a legitimate gap that you need to fill. There's a need for to change something. Yes, there is. There's always needs. But who are the people that are supporting you? Who can, if you don't know them, like in this place, we didn't know them, but Melanie and Marcus did. So they brought them to the table. So if you don't need to know them, who knows them? And leverage those network and, and those colleagues that you have and your coworkers and the friends out there. And, and bring them to, to work together. And it, and it says something needed. It says something needed for the 
whole system or is it just needed for that organization or for that community? So identify the steps that you wanna take. And of course, make a plan, have a plan ready. What are the resources that you need? What are the outcomes? What are the activities they're gonna to have to do? And how are you gonna evaluate that it, it was it was that you did the process, that it was successful, that you accomplished what you wanted to do. And, and I can tell you this, said Hill, when I started doing the bond certification, and I always always talking in front of the persons and here in Phoenix, and and I asked, I asked Jason, he was a lobbyist, and said, "Hey, Jason, why why do we have to change this? Why do we have to? I had a plan. Why do we have to change our plan?" And and Mark and 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 Jason told me, "Floor, I got to tell you this because this is something that I tell my students all the time." Every single time you develop a plan, you develop a vision of what you want to accomplish. So when you started walking on the path on transforming and getting into the vision that you wanted to get, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of gaps. There's a lot of challenges, a lot of barriers. There's a lot of opportunities that are coming your way. So at the, at the beginning, you'll, be, you'll begin with a want with the one, this is what I want to change. This is what I need to change, right? But, I, and and it's like my want, my want, this is the group's want. But, you know, through the process of walking the path and getting to the end result, you will not get what you want, Floor. You will never get what you want. You will get what that community and that system needs. Because it's not about what you as individuals want. It's about the system. It's about the policies. It's about the community, what they need. That is the, the end result will never be the beginning result. The end result will be what is transformed into the need of that community to make sure that you feel that. So so it's it's, it's really a process. And, and make sure that you're flexible enough to make sure that you understand that what you want is, is because you have identified, but there's in the process, you can identify a lot of gaps, a lot of opportunities as well. And the end result will probably be what your community needs, not what you wanted at the beginning. Thank you so much for that explanation. I think that encompasses systems change. It's what do you think you want? And there's gonna be a lot of things that are gonna be thrown at you during that process. And mm. You need to be nimble and flexible and be able to uh-huh. roll with the punches, as they say. So. Correctly. Yes. <laughs> Lord, muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotros. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the work that you're doing on behalf of the community health worker community, on behalf of Arizonans. And we wish you nothing but success in the future. Thank you again for joining us today on the podcast. And We'll see you around. <laughs> Gracias, Sergio. Thank you.